preface before we get started with this episode. So this episode is actually from my panel for the Women at Warp IDIC Podcast Festival. The subject for this panel was Star Trek as period drama, adventures on the holodeck, and places that time forgot. For this panel, we looked at two episodes or one two-parter episode and one single episode from five separate Star Trek series. So we watched Spectre of the Gun and City at the Edge of Forever from Star Trek the Original Series, Fistful of Data's and Elementary Dear Data from Star Trek Next Generation, Fairhaven and Killing Game from Star Trek Voyager, Past Tense, and Far Beyond the Stars from Deep Space Nine, and then Carbon Creek and North Star from Enterprise. So if you want to follow along at home and stop this and watch those beforehand, you're more than welcome to. If not, by all means, please enjoy the conversation. And I invite you to revisit these episodes after you hear what we have to say. You can find all those episodes currently on Netflix, but of course you can also find them on Paramount Plus as well. So this is a really fun conversation. Bianca Hernandez joins me on this episode, who was on the season one season finale, Building Communities Within Fandom. And Dr. Luz Rizones also joins me on this episode, who was on the episode Latinx Representation in Space. So I hope you really enjoy this. And also please stay tuned after the conversation for a special message. Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh. I hope you are having a great time at the IDIC Podcast Festival. I am so excited that we're here. My name is Leticia. My podcast is Introspectional, and I have some amazing guests with me today. The title of our talk is Star Trek as Period Drama, Adventures in the Holodeck and Places that Time Forgot. Why? Because Star Trek doing period drama is a really interesting pattern, almost trope, if you will. While we are exploring the future and seeing new galaxies and meeting new people, there's been a tradition of having times where if we can go into the future, we go into the past. And that is part of what this conversation is about. But I do briefly want to introduce my guest who will be joining us in this conversation, starting with Bianca. I am just as shocked as anyone who knows me to be talking about Star Trek today. And I'm sure we'll get into that later as I am wearing a Star Wars shirt. Oops. But I love period drama. I'm a major Jane Austen fan. If you're in the period drama Austen community or costuming space, you probably know me. And I'm really excited to come in and talk about this very specific nerdy thing because it's the overlap of a lot of things that I really have apparently embraced in my life. <laughs> Awesome. I am so excited to hear your impressions, especially since this is kind of her first foray into the Trek universe. So it's kind of like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start you off with the Treks that are the least Trekky of Treks, but yet the most Trekky of Trek at the same time. And if you have followed Trek, you know exactly what I mean. Speaking of people who follow Treks with a burning passion, we also have our favorite Dr. Luce, who was here on the third episode of Introspectional, which was a uh, lesson representation in space. So she's already talked about this and we've been talking about it more. So Luz, tell the people about yourself. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Leticia, for having me on as a guest. I'm super excited. You guys already know I love Star Trek. Voyager is my Trek. So I got to represent right here. And it's also really funny that 
period drama is also something that I love. You know, like Bianca, huge Jane Austen fan. We'll get into that later on. But I'm very excited to talk about this. I can't wait. Great. Oh, well, first thing I want to do is kind of let the people know what were the episodes that we watched in preparation for this talk. So I'm going to show the episodes and I want each one of you, when we get to the episode, just kind of give like a one to two sentence thought, mini review. How'd you feel about that particular episode? So here we go. Ready. First up, Star Trek, the original series. We had to take it all the way back to the first one. So the episodes that we looked at were The City on the Edge of Forever and Spectre of the Gun. So as a Trek fan myself, I haven't always studied the original series. So this is actually my first time seeing these two episodes. And I was kind of blown away, actually, with the thought and detail that was put into it. And granted, yes, it had that campy 60s vibe for so much of it. But you know, given what they were working with, I was like, there's a lot of things that came off pretty, pretty well. What were your thoughts, Luce? So my thoughts on rewatching was kind of what you said, you know, they kind of took on some heady topics, you know, there's definitely a lot for discussion. I will say that I think I liked Spectre of the Gun more than I liked The City on the Edge of Forever. Maybe just more for a little bit of the message that I got from it. But I thought that they were both pretty powerful episodes. Awesome. Bianca, thoughts? I thought they were really interestingly done. And like they both do this kind of dealing with these ideas of history. Because I think that's kind of my way of looking at it. These are a lot of thematic things that are impressions and ideas around history. Like Spectre of the Gun and like this old West facade thing is actually, it felt like going to a community theater production, but not in a bad way, but like in a, we only, yes, A, had so much budget, very clear. But also, like, knowing that, what can you do with that and how can you work with that? And I feel like because of that, I also kind of skewed more toward Spectre as, like, a, I was really intrigued by what they did and how they worked with that. Like, City on the Edge, I think, like, there's some major topics. I think some of the things that they say and do, like, do they age well? Not necessarily. But I think, that, like, not being afraid to talk about it and get into that is actually really interesting for that time and for what it was doing. So they're both, I think, doing something different. Like, it, it, clearly, I think, like, it was so different for its time. As, like, somebody who's watching it now, I was like, I mean, okay. I kind of have a skewed opinion about which of these all the episodes we watched were faves. But, like, I think they brought what they could to these. And not being afraid to get into that is actually really cool. Yeah, I mean, and the Gene Roddenberry in pitching Star Trek talked about it as wagon train in space, which if it's accurate or not as a pitch is, is interesting. But in this time period, Westerns were the thing or right before. So to do something different yet in similar veins, it's, it's interesting to see how they took on that concept. And it carries on a tradition of that in sci-fi of being like the marriage of space and Western. But it's like westerns as a genre versus like westerns as what it was actually so i think that's interesting looking at like as the time period that we're going to as a genre versus the time period itself interesting interesting and being that we're going to go to the next one that's the perfect segue all right star trek next generation into the modern er treks so we have elementary dear data and fistful of data it's interesting that both of these episodes have data in the title data. 
and how, how primarily he's featured. Elementary Dear Data is a really interesting episode. It's just like dealing with concepts of sanctions and consciousness that kind of comes out, not doesn't come out of nowhere, but it's very surprising. And then Fistful the Data is interesting tidbit. Patrick Stewart actually directed that episode. So the captain was captaining that particular episode. I have interesting feelings about that episode, but <laughs> uh, what's your impression of Bianca, being that we were just talking about Westerns? I mean, again, like the Western trope, I think that this is a really interesting place because there are layers. They, they did layers, right? It's a space Western going into a Western, but specifically through Worf and like his kid and wanting to do this. It starts out there and then it, it goes into this deeper thing around, which I think Dear Data does, but they deal with AI and like using these things and connecting and what the holodeck can do with awareness and all these things and I think like that was really interesting because it added this layer and thread through there that like unexpected like for a kind of like okay we're doing like a kind of time travel episode we're getting into like ethics right and like what's happening there I didn't expect that turn I know it was like kind of set up at the beginning but it was just like the more the deeper I went I was like oh wow like we're really getting to that and I think that the same thing for elementary deer data like we really get into the ethics and structure of how that's working with the, the things that are created there and that kind of information. And I just, it was really an unexpected way to explore it basically through genre. Again, to me, it was like through these genres, we are exploring a deeper issue. Yeah. I mean, I always find it fascinating with Trek in general, but like, again, looking specifically at the kind of period drama episodes, it's an interesting thread of seeing like, this is sometimes where they make their statement, which is fascinating. They make their statement in other episodes too, but it's interesting that a lot of them are okay. chosen in these kind of like outside of the normal plot episodes. Luce, your yeah. thoughts? I liked both of these a lot. I feel like these two episodes, along with a few of the other ones, maybe just one more that we talked about, address the issue of like how holodecks, like holodecks gone wrong in a way, right? And then that kind of goes into what Bianca was talking about in terms of AI and getting into all of these components that, you know, we think we have control over, but we probably don't have as much control as we think we do and they could turn on us kind of thing. And so that idea I really enjoyed in elementary dear data. And then the other part that I really liked about elementary deer data was like you mentioned, Leticia, the whole idea of sentience. What does it mean to be? And this is a big theme that goes along in Voyager with the doctor. And so they've addressed that in a lot of other characters in Voyager. So those were kind of the big themes that I hit on with these two episodes. Yeah, I think also what's really great about elementary deer data is I've heard the phrase, I think, therefore I am before. But in going on this journey with Moriarty, I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, instead of it just being a phrase, it's a, oh, you're talking about consciousness and existence. And, you know, to yeah. use a, a sci-fi medium to talk about, again, those deeper themes and in a way that is not scary and not being insulting in any way, but a way that like a child can understand that. Yeah. It feels you know. very wishbone in that way, in some ways, right? Of how they're taking the genre. It's just kind of like putting it at the most basic, how can we get this across an audience in like an hour less, but then using that to their advantage. Right. Very cool. Next series, DS9. Fun fact. These were heavy, these were, 
the heavy hitters. Yeah. yeah, like um, I, I was just at BlurredCon and I was mentioning just these two episodes in passing. People were like, oh, the one where this happened, the one where the, yes, like these are like deeply buried in people's hearts. Other fun fact, Avery yeah. Brooks directed Far Beyond the Stars. So again, nice. the captain captained this episode. Thoughts on these, starting with Luce. I have a lot of thoughts, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I know, um, you have to make them quick because you guys- We do, we do. No, I, like you said, like you said, I think one of the things that Star Trek does really well, and I think that this is why people love Star Trek, is that it hits on so many social topics, big, big things that are going on. And I feel like these hit on those. Past tense, just because it's kind of like, it's in our century. <laughs> It's like, right? we're, 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 we're like living. this in 98, we, but that means we could have prevented it, but we didn't. Are we, we didn't really. So we'll, we'll go into it a little bit more, but I just feel like these two are prime examples of how Trek addresses real life social issues, injustices, and, and throws it into there and makes it work. Yeah. And just in both of these, it's such a showcase for A.V. Brooks and Far Beyond Her Stars, but also in past tense, because I, I guess I had just more memories of it. And so seeing it again, it's interesting to see him as Cisco take things on in this particular narrative. What that means to him as a man, as a character, you know, as a Black man in this life. And also, I was reading an article that's saying how past tense looks at a lot of these social issues, particularly from the perspective of a person of color, as opposed to someone who's like well-meaning, but outside of the experience itself, and how that changes the, the view and how it changes the impact. Bianca, thoughts? Oh, 100%. Like this for me, like, and we can get into it more later. Like I am still sitting with past tense. I live in San Francisco right now in the year 2021. And yeah. like, yes, this is like some fantasy thing where apparently like, you know, you've got apparently like great things to use the internet at home, whatever. I don't know, but it's real. Like so many of these things were so real. Like when they had that line about, this was the moment where the country finally dealt with the stuff they did putting off. I was like, holy God like this could not be more yeah. real for me and like again this is one of those things that, like it literally gave me chills right now but like this is one of the things i love about this genre is that the ability to use this genre in, in this way using this kind of meta layered genre on genre to make a statement and to say hey here's this real thing we're going to use the storytelling to get you to really think about it oh it was oh so good and this episode is from what 98 yeah, yeah. like the fact that it's in, you know, what was then the near future, we are in the, that near future now, we're very, very close. And it's like, well, well, damn. I mean, it, it reminds me of Octavia Butler and when her works and when her writing, you know, in, in the 80s and people were like, did she predict the future? And she's like, no, I took what was going on and just extrapolated if nothing changed. And I think that like, that's what makes these episodes so strong if I was just looking at this as like what are period dramas these would be my top episodes because they deal with a lot of things that period dramas deal with well like in the tradition of period dramas race and class issues the basic issues of your existence and your place in society in ways that I feel like the others don't really get into in the same ways yes I think some of the ones around AI do 
in their own way but like this centering that perspective like that was 100% to me period dramas delve into that and understanding the rules society has made around you and your existence mm, the rules and make around you and your existence I'm gonna hold that for a minute Oof. All right, next one, Voyager. These were interesting and oddly fun to me. You had like that parallel story of the French resistance and the Voyager itself and their resistance. Like the killing game, of course, you know, it's dealing with World War II, but the idea of going through various aspects of our history and acknowledging that we had or and still have a very violent history as humans, which thematically connects back to Spectre of the Gun when yeah. he's like, how do you get over your history of violence? So that was just interesting. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I love these two. <laughs> I mean, I love every single Voyager episode, but I felt like Killing Game is another example for me of how holodecks can go wrong. <laughs> it fits into that little segment. Granted, the... Um, it was not the computer itself, but, you know, the predator, the Herogens misusing their holodecks. And Fairhaven, I love because for me, it was, you, you kind of can see it being like just plain fun. You know, at least that's kind of how it started out, a way for the crew to relax, kind of exactly what the holodeck is supposed to be used for. And then they go into these more, again, in-depth social issues interacting with people, conflict resolution. How do you deal with romantic interests? What are you looking for in the romantic interests? How do you deal with that? So I love both of these equally. With Fairhaven, it's one of the closest that Star Trek comes to in general to being like a romance novel. Correct. It is, for sure. I agree. And, and that's why I loved it. <laughs> I have so many things to say about Fairhaven. But what I liked about both these was the idea of using the holodeck to create, again, ideas of history. And I think that like that's really important when we think about how pop culture presents it, how we consume history, whether literally through this or through something else. Because I'm like, we tweak things when we make movies or whatever that we're doing that represents history. You know, they literally have a conversation about should we have fog? Is it, oh, it's no, it's too depressing. Like they are making their own ideas of what these are. I have just something that's like, that's period drama. That's right there in period drama. Fairhaven centers a woman like and what she wants. And she doesn't like, in contrast to the other episodes, she doesn't want to be the hero of the story. She just wants to be content. There's ethical issues about how she does that that we can get into <laughs> later. But like when she says, I'm sorry, when she's like, I just want to know if she would have loved me back. I'm like, oh. We all do, Captain Jamie, we all do. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because there are, of course, ethical issues in Fairhaven, but what I love about them is while that is true, her motivations and desires are so relatable. Like, the moment that she says, delete the wife, it is an iconic watershed moment where you're like, yes. I feel you went a step too far, but I understand. I get it. It makes yes. sense. <laughs> yeah. Just like all, all, all of that. I um, screamed. I was like, oh, <laughs> ah, she, did, she did that? Okay. Like, I get it. But also, <laughs> right. the you're delivery like, of that line too, like. Kudos dead to that. pan, dead ass, just like go. I'm like, 
Really? Yes, Kate Mulgrew delivered that like a tea. And lastly, Enterprise. Now, Bianca, being that you're new to the Star Trek fandom, of all of these series, Enterprise is probably the one that's oddly most controversial. <laughs> that's good to know. That's yeah, to know. and time period-wise, this one is set before the original series, which is interesting thinking about North Star, because yeah. with North Star and uh, Tractor of the Gun in the way that they're connected, because both of them are like, Prime Directive? What the fuck is that? Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, hello? What's happening here? Why are they interacting? We're not supposed to do that on Star Trek. What's going on? Yeah, so the Prime Directive in Star Trek is basically they are not supposed to interfere with cultures who are not capable of space flight yet and warp technology. So being able to like travel through light years. So they're not supposed to do that. We all know that Kirk is always like, what is the Prime Directive? Who cares? You know, ask for forgiveness, not permission questions. But anyway, North Star is interesting like that. Like they really embrace the settings themselves and being that these are not holodeck episodes. So there's a strong feeling of place in each one of them, which I think is interesting. Thoughts? There's also a really good through thread of the histories that you know versus the real things and like the kind of vulnerability there and how that's not necessarily a there's one correct answer. And for me, Carbon Creek is a really good lesson that I think a lot of this is a period drama specific thing for me. It's a lot of people that are really into period drama. A lot of white people are coming to terms with the fact that the histories they had to learn for multiple choice tests are not always correct. And mm -hmm. they are sometimes erasing certain points of view, certain things that really happen. And so that was really interesting to me, the way that was handled and presented, because that's such like a concurrent period drama community discussion. And for this to be a thing that's already existed in a different way, discussing this, I, I really like it. And I might be now forcing my Jane Austen people to watch this just specifically this episode to sit with some stuff <laughs> interesting interesting uh Luz? the one thing i will say kind of like what you had said Tisha, it feels a little bit different it feels more like the original series episodes did in the sense that it felt more like time travel carbon creek you can say it was retelling of a history so in that sense it kind of is like time travel and then north star was kind of like this dual thing like they kind of really did travel back into their idea of the wild west by going into this experience so in that sense it's, it's more like the tos episodes i also feel like these went again more into those really big societal issues that tng the ds9 episodes kind of went into yeah i i have some feelings about north star to be honest because i, I, I got a little cringy yeah, yeah, because it feels like the way that it's formed, it feels like retelling the story of slavery and retelling yeah. the story of, you know, particularly the story of African-Americans when it right. comes to slavery. If we somehow were able to, like, take over and then, you know, rule, right. over, rule over other people, which it's... It's interesting to me that that would be tried slash attempted, 
but it also feels like the people who are writing were not necessarily people of that background because what it felt like was this is what folks are afraid of that will happen when the people who are oppressed are freed but when you don't talk to the people themselves you actually don't know what they want which is different than what i think is imagined correct even the fact that they named it north star i'm like really and if you don't know the north star is what slaves use in order to go north seeking freedom so i had questions about that however that being said i was also like i see you wrestling with a larger issue here I don't think that you were successful completely, but I appreciate the wrestling. Yeah, that's kind of where I came from in the sense of being like, that's what I liked about it. Like, okay, it was attempted, but it, I will be saying it did really feel cringeworthy because I was like, hearing the sheriff explain to Archer, our people were abducted and taken from the earth into a slave room. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah. You're like, internally screaming. Ah! Yes. But but then also, it's an interesting through line with North Star to seeing the different ways these various series attacked, for lack of a better word, the Western Mm -hmm. and the Western genre. Yeah, correct. And how they hit it in different ways. And also the different themes that they used a very similar conceit to explore. So that was interesting. And I personally always enjoyed Carbon Creek. I, I, I find it this really adorable Shot of Water episode. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind it's of- another, It's another love story kind of, right? You can, at least yeah. it, has that, it has that thread of romance in it. Yeah. And also thinking about X-Files, there's that- <laughs> <laughs> the the episode where they talk about the, the alien who comes to Earth as a black man to play baseball. Oh yeah, you know, and that love story of like falling in love with humanity as well as falling in love with the person. I think that's just like really really sweet. So yeah, it's just think about that. So those were the episodes that we watched. I did have some questions for you all that we can look into. Bianca, Luz, what was your relationship to Star Trek and sci-fi in general? I grew up watching TOS reruns with my mom and my uncle. But um, like you, Leticia, Voyager was like my Trek in the sense that that was the Trek that was on, you know, during my my formative years. Right. And so I, I fell in love with that. Sci-fi, I've always loved. Again, X-Files also, just because I feel like that genre can give you so much freedom to do, honestly, whatever you want. <laughs> you don't have to really answer anybody. You can be like, hey, is this sci-fi? So I love that about it. I will give you the real talk about my introduction to Trek. I was maybe four or five. My godmother was watching it. And my grandma from deep South Alabama was like, you can't watch that because people cut their ears and that's bad for you. And I literally had no context for this until I saw the Chris Pine Star Trek. And I was like, what, 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 what did I grow up with? One of the many moments of my life where I was like, why did I not question this more? Um, <laughs> so my grandma like 100% did everything she could to like have me not be into sci-fi and fantasy. Too bad for her. <laughs> Too bad for her. Um, so that backfired, Bianca. I mean, like, 
yeah it 100 backfired that's like the context so like i spent a majority of my life like with this weird baggage around like i'm not supposed to watch this thing and then i was like wait wait no 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 and so i've watched some discovery and lower decks i think was the actual thing my pathway to trek is not at all traditional and then after this it's been really fun to kind of get this sampler pattern through period dramas and i'm just like oh I kind of like can see like the places that I would really enjoy watching more. But yeah, I got into Star Wars as a teenager. And that for me was big because women in those worlds in the books specifically were really empowered and can be powerful and do all this like really cool fighting and everything. Anyway, like it's that was really cool for me because I found the kind of worlds that I was more happy with and like the reading in my classrooms, if I'm being honest. And for me, the books were a gateway into getting deeper into the genre and really being like, I see myself here. I see like even steampunk, there's a lot of women-centered stories there that I'm like, I really appreciate the centering of different things. So it's been a very interesting pathway (laughs) to getting into the genre. Yeah, no, and I think it's interesting. This is kind of relevant, but not. While I was into sci-fi before then, around like my teen years, I was really into Farscape. And Farscape, for those who know, has a plethora of really interesting aliens. And my mother, for the longest time, called it the show with the blue lady. Because he had someone who's entirely blue. And it was just like, wow, this is odd. And, you know, I feel like sometimes when it comes to science fiction, just in general, if you're like, oh, this is something interesting, or it's something like, this is strange. What are you doing with this strangeness? So it's interesting how that can play to whether or not we feel like we can embrace things that are different or embrace, honestly, even people that are different. Because I feel like sometimes sci- sci-fi helps with that. Because it's like, look, if I feel like I can connect with an android and someone with tentacles <laughs> and someone who's like, you know, a freaking Muppet, I can probably yep. connect with someone who literally just has slightly different facial faces than me and is a different hue. Like that doesn't feel like a big leap. So yeah, and similar to Luce, my introduction to Trek was really my grandfather watching Next Generation. And then I found Voyager when I was like 13, 14. And I was like, women captain, badass yeah. other woman, like being awesome. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here all day. Just, yeah. Yep. Love it. So of the episodes that we watched, do you have a favorite and why? Well, my favorite will have to definitely be Killing Game. I like the multi-layered aspect of it. Like they're playing this game, this resistance within the holodeck, but then on the outside. I like the fact that it goes more in depth into humanity and its evilness in the sense, you know, like the Herogens were going through and they're like, wow, I found this awesome period. Awesome for them because they're like, hey, we can hunt prey, you know? And it's essentially what that time period was. So I, I liked that part of it. And I liked how it had that twist on it where beginning of the episode, they were these characters that they had to, you know, they didn't know that they were really the Star Trek crew, Voyager crew. And then halfway in, they still had to pretend. So it was kind of like acting within the acting. So I just yeah. like the multi-layered aspect of it. And I just love it. I'm sorry. Also, I'm Absolutely. And it's also, I feel like one of the few episodes is a handful where a Harry Kim gets a solid amount of shine. Yes. Yes. So he, yeah, he and the doctor help save everybody. Love it. 
yeah so like i love that aspect of it and then there's the interesting um play by play when you have the like lieutenant hiroshin who was being convinced by the nazi hologram to go against his commanding officer so like it's, it's this really fascinating aspect of you know a a philosophy or a thought process which unfortunately is not as passive as we'd like it to be having an influence on what is their present correct yeah I, I don't think I ever like thought about it that way but yeah yeah I never focused on it mm. so many things you can find out so many uh, Bianca what about you what was your favorite of the episodes we watched and why honestly I think you through this I'm going to watch Voyager next because I I really liked it like I don't know other people's opinions I'm not gonna look on the internet I don't care because I actually really enjoyed it I also really like Deep Space Nine for other things but like Fairhaven is so different in this collection of things again to me it was like it doesn't center this kind of I just go on this heroic journey it's it centers this woman just wanting contentment and I'm like I'm sorry, but I actually really enjoy that and exploring that and exploring also what that means. Honestly, like looking at it in the current context, I'd be like, there's a little bit of lessons on white feminism there. Well, that's for a different day, but it's there. Like, I think there's like the multitude of layers, you know, when she's literally looking and she's just like, so what? It's a hologram as she's talking to somebody that's a hologram. And I'm just like, whoa, you literally are centering your own comfort. And like, mm. for, for better or for right? worse, yeah that's what that is and I think that's actually really interesting because I think Kirk centers his own comfort in oh, many oh, that's ways his, that's his entire character <laughs> but like watching what yep. that means for those two characters I mm. think is super interesting and again like the intensity of like the commitment to delete the wife I'm just like it's one of those things that I think you go along you're like is this kind of an Austin or a Bronte and it goes into like full-on kind of like Bronte I'm getting dramatic <laughs> I'm killing things like I'm making this kind of like as much as I tried to make this idyllic like little pastoral idea there can still be some really gothic topics that I I'm like there's gothic there like around this like hidden disappeared wife and I'm also just a sucker for like a bodice stripper type thing and and using a bodice stripper to do something fun right and what's interesting is that they don't actually show it though to describe it how they have and a madam blanking on his name the holiday character that he's literally climbing up a tree and screaming her name yeah. out into the ether <laughs> like oh my god it, that's so intense that's so like wow and Janeway goes through a lot and it was interesting you mentioned both Janeway and Kurt because they are both captains mm-hmm and so having that level of authority over the people who are around you and how do you find possible companionship when you have all of this responsibility and it isn't necess- and it isn't just like oh i can't because i'm blankety blank it's like no my job is literally me having authority over other people so messing with those other people is kind of an ethical dilemma yeah. And I think that's really yeah. critical. Like in, in period drama, the relationships are so much also bent on power. Like the epitome of this is the Darcy Elizabeth thing where he's literally like, I cannot, yeah. like, it's going to be shameful for me to marry you because of your class. And it's like, 
those are real things that are brought to period dramas in every single marriage or courtship. And I think that's there when you have a captain that has power going into these spaces that they are in some way outranking mm -hmm. or outpowering somebody else. Yeah. What I loved about Fairhaven also is that conversation that Janeway has with the doctor in the hallway. And I kind of took that as how we interact with each other in real life. He's kind of teaching her that lesson. Like that is what a relationship is. Part of that relationship is learning to, not learning to like people in spite of what you consider their fault, but learning how to deal with that conflict resolution, learning to accept something about somebody in, in, in any kind of social interactions that we have with people, even your friends, you know, your kids. And so I felt like that was such an important lesson. And in the end, you know, I feel like Janeway understood that. And then she was coming around full circle where at the end she was like, computer, don't give Janeway access to this program anymore. Because she understood that if I am really going to, to develop a relationship or romance with someone, I can't always be like, eh, don't like that computer, delete. That's a lesson for so many. Yeah, we have to think about that. And you did talk a little bit about period drama. So I did want to go in very, very briefly. What is your relationships to, to period drama that you're kind of bringing to the table? I know, well, I'm asking you to make this short, which is a ridiculous request, but go. <laughs> I'll go first. My love of period drama comes from essentially every medium. You know, I fell in love with Austin as a teenager. All her books speak to me very, very much. Then from there, it went on to more broader in the sense that other authors, historical fiction is my favorite genre of, of books to read. And any, I will watch any kind of TV movie that is set in a period that is not our own. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah okay. I, I love historical drama. Like my great grandma, she had Dr. Quinn on all the time. They loved watching Dr. Quinn. Oh, that was my first intro. And that's kind of one of those things that like, just like Days of Our Lives kind of helped me really understand a lot of things later in life. I fell in love with Austin in a lot of similar ways because like it's so relatable. I saw so much of so many people or myself in those scenarios in the book. And since then, you know, I literally learned how to like change my IP address to watch Downton Abbey. Like I'm a nerd. Like I, I will do some stuff for period dramas because I'm, that's where I am with that. But I think like for me, Especially right now, we're in a really exciting time. Like Bridgerton is changing everything about period dramas. And if you aren't paying attention to that, you should be. I'm excited to see what that could also mean potentially for this space around like the sci-fi versions of things and like how we delve into histories there. When you have something, again, to me, it's multiple lenses, it's multiple layers. It's our ideas of history and mm. our ideas of history are actually a major reflection of our current periods, I'd argue a lot of the time. And I'm yeah. so intrigued by where that's going to go. Same. I mean, and I continually make the argument that like period drama and sci-fi are in many ways the same thing. Just like, yeah. we're going to dump you into a new world with all of these new social things. You're going to dress in a particular way and off you go for your adventure. I'm like, yeah, they're, 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 they're the same thing. Were there any common thread that you feel like you observed through the episodes that we watched? Oh man, there's so many, but I feel like one particular thread that I found that I could connect to all of them was kind of sacrificing your personal wins, your personal goals for the betterment of everybody else. Mm. Yeah, so for example, even in Fairhaven, right? 
Janeway has to make that decision. It was kind of obvious where Kim says to her, we have, you know, where they're trying to get, they're in that, they're going through that turbulence and she has to say, okay, we're sacrificing Fairhaven. You know, my love interest might be gone, but it's for the betterment of the crew. Yeah, that's a kind of vain example. But even in Fairhaven, they found a way to make it work. Like for me, again, there's a really interesting idea around like the histories we make versus the histories that were and like what we do with those and also how we use those for our own, like if we're playing in them, what does that mean? Like even the data story, right? Like what does it mean when we're playing in history? Mm. When these are real histories, real impacts. And I think that like, that's really important for period drama because people try to use those things as escapism a lot of time. And you can't escape facts. You can't escape context. Mm. I mean, you can try, but like, I think the the lessons in those were like that idea of going into something being like, no, I I don't have to understand the implications of it. And it being like, actually you do, because it's going to keep chasing you. It's going to keep like haunting your steps until you do. And I think like that was really interesting. And also I think a really kind of critical thing to think about on that level. I do like the idea also where Jordy's character in Elementary Dear Data was saying to Data how he's only succeeding because he knows everything that happened. But, and then Jordy would think, but we really, you know, you don't necessarily need to change this a little bit. And I think that that's kind of how people sometimes think of history, right? We, we don't know. We think we know, but we really don't. And like you said, Bianca, we're kind of putting on our own lens when we're portraying these stories or interpreting these stories and we have to sort of remind ourselves that we are doing that yeah also it's like whose view are we looking at things through you know because one thing with the holodeck is that there's always an author of the holodeck there's you know or the hollow novel there's always someone who wrote the story so for instance in fairhaven it's tom paris who he was the author and this is a a through line in the voyager series that he is often the one who is writing the story that people are involved in but that also means you're looking at it from his perspective you know why are they in ireland and not scotland not ghana not japan you know, also what would Japan Japan look like through the eyes of Tom Paris, I fear to think. Hey everybody, quick note. So this is where I start responding to people who have started to leave comments in the live stream. So you may hear me say things like, oh, I love that comment or directly quoting someone who in the video, you would see their comment on the live stream. So hoping that doesn't confuse anyone too much and wanted to let you know that's what you'll be hearing later on in this episode. Okay, back to the episode. I love that comment. History is told by those left standing. And that's also becomes the official quote unquote history often, or at least those who win get, get the correct. official story. Yeah, those who Those who don't, but still survive, get like the underground story. And they're like, let me tell you what really happened. Yeah. And those are the hardest ones to get across people that are real, the people who like are really set and like, well, but this thing's been written about, so it must be real. Like it must be just this story. And like the big thing in period drama is in those communities is yes, black people existed. Like, and people just being like, well, I didn't see them in these things. And it's like, yeah, because history whitewashes, just like making your own stories on the holodeck can be selective based on what you want and your ideas of history. 
that comment ties in so nicely to past tense as well, right? Yeah. Like, because the people in the sanctuary cities did not get their story told. You know, everybody right. else was meant to believe, well, why are they complaining? Why, why are they rioting? Everything is perfect. Uh, you are hearing what you want, what they want you to believe. You know, and that's why that is that episode is so powerful because, like, I mean, you could get we could give so many examples of how, how that is currently happening now in 2021, and that's why that episode hit so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we have time for for maybe one more question. So I have kind of like a, a broader question for you all. So with streaming services, shorter seasons, serialized series, there's less space really in many of these dramas for these kind of like one-off episodic adventures that do delve into these type of works. So do you think something gets lost when we don't give series the space or the time to explore these ideas that aren't necessarily directly involved with the main plot? I would say, I think there, there are pros and cons of both, right? I mean, I feel like in one method prefer the episodic episodes. I feel like that's the, the trek I grew up with. That's the trek I come to enjoy and I feel like yes you're right when you have these kinds of episodic series you can take one or two episodes to kind of veer off the beaten path and explore these ideas but then you kind of lose a little bit of the continuity of the bigger story I'm not sure if there's a way to do that to do these kinds of things where you can kind of you know veer off a little bit off the off the main plot in serialized shows I mean I think it would take a little bit more thought but I, for one, prefer the episodic way. Yeah. Like for me, the, the episodes that stick out to me of like things like Doctor Who or the episodic thing, like these kind of capsule episodes that were just like, whether we're doing Van Gogh or like other things, like there was the recent, more recent, like India, Pakistan episode, like, yeah, like there are still ways to make these stories super powerful, still connect to characters that you built a relationship with along the way. I think that like, two, there are some really interesting ways that these could explore non-Western histories. I think like to me, that's the big glaring thing. Like we can explore non-white people histories too and like spaces. And to me, like those are so strong because you build a strong relationship with those characters. And those are the stories that you're going to put on again and again. Whether there's a space or not, I hope that people do remember, like, when you're in the writer's room or when you're making the budgets for these things, what were the stories that stuck with you when you were watching these things? The stories that, you know, when you did your marketing pitch for this show, you're like, we want to be like this show. What of those episodes stuck out to you? Were they these kind of capsule stories? Then maybe make space for those and see how they work and how they do. I'd say, like, The Mandalorian, I think there are even some episodes there that you could argue are a little bit capsule in their own way that I think stick with people and like hit them differently. And I think like, that's just a really interesting way to also just explore your characters. Yeah. I'm looking at blog track had this great, a comment talking about how most period pieces completely ignore the LGBT community, you know, which is why some people talk about being gay or is a modern trend. Cause much of the history has indeed been from the POV of cis males. I mean, exactly. That is something that is true. That is something that has been a part of the way media and the way that like history itself has been presented. And now that there's hopefully more space to tell the stories that people have scrunched down for so long, we want those stories out there. I know Wilson Cruz was talking about, you know, I'm on Discovery, something that 
I feel like Trek was late on. Yeah. But he's like, I'm here. And that still matters so much here and it being canon in this universe, in this universe that, you know, ideally was meant to be diverse, meant to celebrate various cultures. And I know one thing that I feel is very important about Trek, even though, of course, it absolutely doesn't get everything right, not at all. Yeah. Um, but that ideal, you know, idea I see why we're here, that ideal is baked into the cake of the series of the franchise and that's how we are you know we hopefully can move forward with something that even when we go all the way back to the original series we can see we can see what they were going for even if they weren't always you a can. Cast. We- they tried you can <laughs> they're so cute <laughs> you're like ah, okay. you tried <laughs> but it's great though and not that there aren't definitely themes that you can absolutely glean from that you know, going back to Sit on the Edge of Favor and Inspector of the Gun with us kind of starting there, there were some themes that they hit on that I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this here. Definitely not with every detail, but when I think about like the overarching view, I'm like, hmm. Inspector of the Gun, I was surprised. I was just like, wow. I don't know, the theme, like, I got more from that, like, it was like a self-pep talk in a way. Right, the part where you're like, if if it's not real, something's not real. It cannot hurt you. You know, don't let it get to you. It's a mind game. And how many of us play mind games with ourselves constantly? You know, and so that I just hung off on that. I'm again. I was like, wow, yes. Yeah, I and need a reminder. And not only that, thinking about McCoy's constant <laughs> issues with Spock, super problem. That being said, in order to survive their ideal, they had to adapt their way of thinking to that of a different culture. Yeah. And they have to have faith. Like that was what, that was the key, right? That's what Spock was saying. There's like, there cannot be one itty bitty sense of doubt because then you will die. Because there's still that little part of you that believes that it's true. Right. And so I, I don't know, I just, that just really, either that hit me in the moment because I needed it, but whatever it was, I was just like, that is so true. Like, there's so many things that we let, like, literally bring us down that they're like, they really don't even need to. And we just like, need to talk ourselves the right way. I I love that she's like, it hit me in the moment where I needed it, which I feel like is like a thing that I know I find sometimes when I'm just, you know, flipping two channels and Trek happens to be on. And sometimes... It yeah. hits me in the moment when I need it, whether yeah. it's I needed a comfort or exactly. I needed a joke or there was a storyline that just, you know, hit me then. And actually, I want to end with this question that we just got from Trek Table that says the idea of Trek in IDIC, so that's infinite diversity in infinite combinations, has always been a part of my own disconnect about why do you say the ideal but not show us the fully fleshed out ideal, which I think is fair. But I also feel personally that almost reminds me of like the Declaration of Independence, to be honest. Yeah. There are many words that are said about justice and equality and fairness. And I feel like humans mess it up all the goddamn time. I do various like social justice work. And what I always bring out as like when it comes to this work, I always say I subscribe to the data theory. The data theory is this. 
Data is an android. Data will never be human. Never, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. But he keeps on working. He keeps on being working harder. He keeps on connecting. He keeps on trying. And it is He's in open. that journey. Yeah. And it's in that journey that he is the most human. So I don't think we'll be able to reach the ideal, but I think we can continue to be better humans. Yeah. And I feel like that was what I got from almost all of these episodes, right? It showed us these aspects of, of humanity that are not necessarily what we want to showcase, but in the end, it was always good versus evil. And in the end, they always found a way to make the good work, right? So that's what we have to strive for. Any thoughts, Bianca, before we say goodbye? I think, too, in that it's a lot of, like, understanding yourself and your place and all of it and understanding the lessons that you can learn through that growth. But, yeah, this was really good. Thank you for this sampler platter of Trek. No thank you for a certain intro song. I will just say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for... Yeah, for being a part of this, for joining us uh, on this journey. We were really excited to talk about this and delve in these episodes. You can find us on our various social medias, me at Introspectional, Bianca at Book Hoarding. You can find Luce at... I'm Luce X-Ray MD. And that was my panel for the Women at Warp IDIC Podcast Festival. It was so much fun, such a great conversation, and all of the other conversations that were had for that podcast festival were amazing. So please make sure to go to the Women at Warp YouTube channel, where all of the various panels from this um, podcast festival were presented. So this is the first of two bonus episodes I will be releasing pretty soon. Season two of Introspectional is in pre-pre-production. And in the meantime, you can find me going on as a guest or presenting a panel at various podcasts and or comic cons in the near future. So I'll keep everyone updated on that on my Twitter and Instagram pages. So please keep your eye out for that. I'm really excited to share some of that additional content with you. We'll absolutely let you know when the second season gets off the ground. And finally, I want to let my listeners know that there are still social movements and there are still things going on that we need to be present and aware about in order to move forward toward the future that we hope to see. So we need to continue to fight for voting rights. We still need to fight for clean water and water protection and fight for our climate and environment. We still need to fight for racial equity. So I would love for you to get on your social medias and do more research and find the causes that are still being fought for as we speak. And when you need a rest, that's when you come into your favorite medias so that you can go back out there later and do the hard work. Because just like I said with the data theory, our goal is to become better humans. And we become better humans by continuing to fight for better human rights. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye.